You're listening to a podcast presented by Providencia West Palm Beach, a church that exists for the flourishing of all people located in the city center of West Palm Beach, Florida. Our hope is to love our city, listen to your story, and practice the grace of God. We hope you enjoy this content. If you haven't already, please subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and leave us a review. Thanks for tuning in. Enjoy the episode. Scripture reading for tonight comes from 1 John 5, 1 through 12. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and everyone who loves the Father loves his child as well. This is how we know that we love the children of God, by loving God and carrying out his commands. In fact, this is love for God, to keep his commands. And his commands are not burdensome, for everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. This is the one who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ. He did not come by water only, but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit who testifies, because the Spirit is the truth. For there are three that testify, the Spirit, the water, and the blood. And the three are in agreement. We accept human testimony, but God's testimony is greater because it is the testimony of God, which he has given about his Son. Whoever believes in the Son of God accepts this testimony. Whoever does not believe God has made, him out, uh, has made him out to be a liar because they have not believed the testimony God has given about his son. And this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his son. Whoever has the son has life. Whoever does not have the son of God does not have life. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks so much, Josh. I'm still humming. Come and rest. Come and rest. Have you guys ever heard of that show, America's Got Talent? Um, I just can't wait to watch Caitlin on there one day. It's going to be so fun. Um, Caitlin was the one singing that song. And also, it was so great. Um, Perry over there on guitar just kind of bending those chords a little bit for us. It was those strings. It was great. Um, I was resting. I almost just laid down in the pew and preached laying down uh, for tonight. I didn't know how that would be for you guys, if that would be odd. But um, if there's anywhere I could do that, it would be here in this church at Providencia. Um, Well, good evening to all of you. Uh, If you're visiting with us for the first time, we're so glad you're here. Um, If you've been here forever, uh, we're so glad you're here. Uh, This is an exciting time in the life of our church. We're actually coming up on our seventh. Uh, birthday, and uh, yeah, yep, September 18th, uh, we're going to be celebrating, turning seven, um, we survived COVID, we can't believe it, it was amazing, 
Um, we also have like a really cool announcement to make next week um, to go along with that and just um, really excited to, to see, you know, what's happening in this fall. Uh, a lot of things are kicking off this next, in these next weeks and um, there's just like a, an energy that's happening and connecting with people, new people that are coming into the church and there's this excitement and there's, there's like a hope in the air and it's, it's really cool to see it. Um, and as you guys know, I, I quote, um, for those of you who've been here for a while, I love the quote from Mr. Rogers that he said, there's never been anybody that once I got to know them and get to know their story that I didn't fall in love with. And so I've been falling more in love with, with people, with you all, with new people, and it's been just awesome to, to experience that. A few weeks ago, I, I talked about that song, uh, Love is in the Air, People Can You Feel It, that old Almond Brothers song, Revival. Um, but love is in the air. I can feel it, you know. And um, in the midst uh, of all that happening, uh, in all this excitement and hope and this new life percolating up, it feels like birth is in the air too. Like birth is coming. Like something new is coming. Something new is about to be born. Um, and as we come to the text this evening um, that Josh read for us first, uh, John, when you go back um, to look at the first chapter, John, first, uh, John chapter 1, uh, John begins to express something similar between this idea of falling in love, which I've been doing with new people a lot, and this idea of birth, of, of, of birth and love. Uh, he did this already even in the chapter uh, 4, right before this, when he said, God demonstrated his love for us by sending his son, by his son being born in flesh into uh, this world. And now he is turning to a birth that will happen in us. John is, is turning, he's going to write about, he's going to speak about this birth, an inward birth that leads to a faith, a belief. And a belief that manifests itself tangibly in the streets in our homes, in our workplaces, and neighborhoods called love. That this faith leads to belief, or this, this birth leads to faith, and that faith, that belief, leads to the manifestation of this tangible thing called love. A quick little plug here. Uh, Dave Brazil, who goes to church in the morning at Memorial, uh, he's got this really cool little goatee and he wears these little uh, blue glasses, like bright blue glasses. Um, so you know he's an artist just by his, uh, that description right there. Um, he is leading the Artist Way group this uh, semester at nighttime. I believe it's at 7 p.m. It'll be here at the church. If you've never done that before, uh, I would implore you to do it. If you think you have any creative bone in your body at all, which if you've been here for a while, you know that we believe all of us do, um, but you felt like a little bit stuck or you felt like, man, I kind of like put that on the shelf, um, this could be the time to like dive in. If you're an artist and you're practicing art regularly, which all of you are, um, this is a time to dive in. It's more than a book. It's more like an experience. And, and Dave is your creative midwife uh, along the way here as you're going to give birth uh, this semester. So please check that out. You can talk to Sarah Claire or myself to get more information about that. And then my wife, Amy, is leading a group on Wednesday mornings at 10 a.m. 
uh, for moms. It's a moms group. We've never done this before, but um, we've had some interest. And so she's doing that and really excited about that. Um, you know, one of the things that is very interesting, um, you know, it's, it's, it's wild to me that we don't hear more about it in church. And, and part of that is because we, we haven't had a lot of women speaking uh, from pulpits historically, you know, throughout the West here. But the whole process of birthing, um, that God, it says here, as John talks about God, that he says that we are born of God. This idea of being born of God, what does that mean? Right? And this whole, this whole process of that, of being born of God, of, of having a birth coming is a very, obviously, feminine attribute, female experience. And yet we've heard so little about that. Um, God's perspective uh, brought to us from the female experience of what does it mean to give birth to faith in people? The sacrifice that happens, that takes place in people, in women, in the process of giving birth. And John says in, in chapter 5 that there is a birth, an inward birth, that we are born of God, an inbirthing of faith, an act of God, a gift from God, the grace of God uh, through us. And last week, uh, Drew was speaking about Aristotle being the prime mover and talking about Aristotle being the one who created the world in the beginning. And he, he went from the end of the Bible and kind of went backwards and, and was essentially saying that in the beginning, God created out of love. That God is the prime mover and that his movement, that first movement of creation, even before creation, that it was grounded in love. And for me, when I think about God creating, often I think just about the earth. Uh, as I've gotten older, though, I've thought more about the cosmos. But I remember being in fourth grade and my uh, science teacher talking to us about outer space and talking to us about the cosmos. And I will say I have no idea what she believed about the cosmos or what she believed about God. But there was something about the way that it was taught to me that the cosmos felt, and maybe it was because it was in science class or something, but the cosmos felt empty. It felt like a void. It felt like um, cold and detached. But what John wants us to see as he uh, writes this out, this whole book, and even if we go back to Moses from Genesis 1, is that the cosmos is full of love. And that the cosmos is made of love. And we have some, uh, you know, astronauts from uh, NASA that are going to be going up into outer space. And they're going to be going to the moon pretty soon. And they're going to be going and hanging out there. And I think they're going to open up a Chuck E. Cheese and a McDonald's. We're super excited about it. Um, I don't know about any of that stuff. But they're going to the moon. And I never, ever wanted to go to outer space until this week because of reading this text. And I realized, man, God's love is on the moon. It's in outer space. It's in the cosmos. God's love is everywhere. Don't you want to go to the moon now? You know, I never, ever, when I, when I thought about that, I just like, wow. So God is helping me even as I prepared this sermon 
to reimagine, to see the world in a new way. That there's some new birth happening even in me. That even there in that beginning, the prime mover created out of love. He made everything out of love, the whole cosmos out of love. And John is, after all, the apostle of love. He's all about love in both his gospel and in this testament, this, this epistle, which is more like a testament. He starts off in chapter 1 talking, taking us back to the beginning, the word, the breath that was spoken in love that created the world. The, that word, the breath, has come again. And out of love, that word will be spoken into the world. And it is being spoken into the hearts of men and women and children and elderly and black and white across languages, across national boundaries, across political lines, across religious lines, across moral lines. And God is speaking into the hearts of humans. And what is he speaking? What is he breathing What is it that he wants us to believe so badly? That out of love, God spoke God into this world. And God walked among us. And God walked with us. To put it another way, Jesus Christ came in skin and bones, water and blood. That Jesus was born through skin and bones and joints and muscles and that Jesus died in the skin and bones and joints and muscles. This is what John wants us to believe so badly. That Jesus was a human, that Jesus became a human. If we look at the whole uh, testament, the whole letter, if you will, it becomes very clear. In chapter 1, the prologue, he says, believe. Believe what? That Jesus came in the flesh. Believe it. Trust this. And what are the implications? What will be the outpouring of this belief? Love. Love will. And then in chapter 2, he says, love. Obey this commandment. This is the commandment to obey. Love. And in chapter 2, 18, on into chapter 3, he says again, Jesus came in the flesh. And then he uses this really nasty word, if you've been around the church for a while. He calls these people something so mean and so gross and so nasty, it might make your hair fly back when I say it. He calls them, the people who deny that, the Antichrist. That's what he calls them. Now, when I was a kid, I thought that was the people who played Dungeons and Dragons. Where I was from in small little southern Tennessee, Signal Mountain, the Antichrist was those rock and roll bands on MTV. That was the Antichrist. But John says the Antichrist are the people who are going around saying that Jesus wasn't flesh and bones. And then he goes back and says, love, love is huge. Love is huge. Love is huge. And then in chapter 4, see, in in chapter 2, he says Jesus came in the flesh. Now in chapter 4, he's going to say, and Christ came in the flesh. And people, again, he says, who say that Christ didn't come in the flesh, they are the Antichrist. 
right? And people, he says, the thing for us who believe that Christ came in the flesh, the fruit of our life is going to be what? Love. Love. God demonstrated his love for us, chapter 4, by sending his son in the flesh. So wild to me that this is the thing that John is writing this whole testament about. That this is the point that he wants us to believe. The implications of it. What are they? And there as we get to chapter 5, verse 1, the birth. There's this born of God birth that leads to belief and leads to love of God and humans, other skin and bones. And just as God spoke the world into existence and just as Jesus, the word, he sent into the word, now into the world, now God is speaking into our hearts, stirring our hearts, and God is awakening us to this belief. But again, what does this belief have to do with love? What is it? To believe that Jesus became flesh and bone, what does that have to do with love? How does that lead us to love? I would tell you that one of the things that John is doing and one of the things that Jesus was doing and one of the things that God is doing through Jesus is capturing our hearts and imaginations to see the world in a whole new way. To see a God in a new way. To see humanity in a new way. And here is a hint. I, I'm not going to answer the whole thing. I would implore you to take some time this week to, in your meditation and time of just being still, being quiet, to think about this reality. What was so significant? What is the connection between Jesus being flesh and bone, both in his birth and in his death, and even now, even now, what is so significant about that and love? I just, because I'm not going to obviously answer the, all those questions, but just to take some time for God to uh, let it marinate in your body and let God open up your imagination, open up your heart to what it is about. But I want to give a hint. Being a human is awesome. Being a human is miraculous. Being a human is to be a work of art. And friends, right now, you are sitting next to artwork. Yes, touch the artwork. It is there. You are sitting next to artwork. You are artwork. And I just want us to take a moment right now, if we can, just to, to breathe. To I know we did it at the beginning of the service, but just take a moment to just take some breaths. And notice the rising and falling of your chest. Just notice the miraculous movement of breathing. And maybe 
in that to just even let yourself feel your heartbeat. And the miracle of, of having a heart beating in your body. To let yourself feel your presence in your own skin. Whatever it is that you're feeling tonight, just to let yourself feel it. The miracle of being a human. Of being artwork. Of being like God's creation, his artwork here on earth. And that God sent himself as a human to prove to us how valuable we are. That God would take on the dust, that he would take on the muscle, that he would take on the bones and the flesh and the heartbeat and the skin to show us how awesome, what a miracle it is. If you go back to that garden, picture that garden story that we've heard so many times when Adam and Eve are there in the garden and this lie comes in and that lie is essentially saying it's not enough to be a human. That you have to become more than human in life. And you see Adam and Eve reaching up for that fruit in a sense trying to become like God, trying to escape their humanity, if you will. And then Jesus comes, or God comes, and he finds them, and he asks them this question, where are you? And he invites them out of hiding. He invites them back down to the ground. He invites them back into the experience of being a human. To embrace it. To embrace your skin and your, your blood and your bones and your heart and your mind. And you're all of who you are, your body, what it means to be a human. You could say that the entire rest of the Bible is God's invitation to us to be human again. That you don't have to be anything more than that. You get to be an awesome human. To experience the miracle of being a human for me, um, you know, John will go on in this to say that if we believe this, we will obey God. And that this leads us to love. And that the law of God brings us back to what it was we were made for. What we were created for. Living into our true identity. Our true identity as lovers. That we were made for this. And that God's law sets us free. The one part of this whole uh, section of scripture that really stood out to me when I read it the first time. Was that his commandments, his laws are not burdensome. That his commandments and his laws are not burdensome. You know, I think about myself as a parent. 
And I think about myself being and my wife being representations to our kids of kind of like a God-like figure in our household. And we have our laws and we have our commands, right? And are our commands burdensome to our kids? Are they burdensome? Are we putting weight on our kids? Or are we uh, giving them things that actually set them free to be who they really are in their identity? So God is teaching me even now, you know, about how I parent uh, through his word about this reality of Jesus becoming flesh and bone. Of Jesus becoming down here on the ground. That Jesus would leave his home and leave uh, his power and leave his wealth, if you will, and would come here on the ground with us. Now, for those of you who know uh, my story. For me, a part of my journey has been that it's really easy for me to work. And that I can work and work and work and work. And even when I go home, I can keep working. And now, one of the things that, you know, people in counseling and stuff have helped point out to me is that's called uh, being a workaholic. And I was, oh, that's interesting. Um, yeah, so I had a new category there to put that in, right? And, um, you know, when, when I went home, as I tried to get better at it, I, you know, maybe leave, home, leave work at a regular time and get home and, and be with the family. But I would be sitting there at dinner with, with my kids. And I would, uh, you know, Lily or, or Watson or somebody would be trying to get my attention. And Lily trying to show me a drawing that she made at school or something. And, and I was, oh, yeah, yeah, that, look, that's awesome. Yeah, right. Because in my mind, I was still thinking about work. I was still thinking about, you know, some issue we had or some building problem or we had to do this thing on this date or I needed to have this conversation with some person. And so my mind was still spinning. It's very hard for me to live into the commandment that God gave us uh, called rest, called Sabbath. He says it's not burdensome, Keith. It's not burdensome to live into this. But the engine was so hard for me to slow down. And one of my greatest challenges, especially when my, uh, like with Watson, my younger kids, is to get down on the ground with them and to go down and like build Legos. Or go down and like color in a coloring book. Do something on the ground. Because when I'm doing a Legos on the ground with Watson, I'm sitting there thinking, man, this is all going to be broken up in about 10 minutes. And it's going to be put back in the box and it's going to be put under the bed. Or it's going to be a bigger mess and we're going to have to clean it up later. And that there's these real life problems in this world that I should be spending my time and energy trying to fix right now. The clock is ticking. But my son has invited me to the ground. You know, if you live in the West, if you live here in the U.S., I can pretty much guarantee and tell you right now that you work too much. You're too busy. When, when we talk about teenagers today, we say, oh man, they have their phones. 
And they're always entertained. But when we were kids, we used to ride our bikes and we used to play outside. And then we would do this thing and we would get into this place and it starts with a B and it was called boredom. And parents, you'll hear them say, like, and people today, like, man, kids need to be bored again. But I would ask you, when was the last time you let yourself be bored? When was the last time you slowed down that much? The part of what John wants us to see in the life of Jesus is that Jesus became flesh and bones and he came down to the ground and he invites us down to the ground because the thing that we all need more than more money, more than a nicer car, more than a career promotion is connection. It's connection. It's to come down to the ground and be with each other dwell with each other. We are starving for it here in our culture. It is the thing that John says we as Christians will be known for more than anything else is our love for one another. Our love for one another. And what does he ground that in the book of, in the, in the testament of 1 John in? Knowing that Jesus came down became flesh and blood, became a human, that we get to be humans with one another. And John says, if we believe this story about Jesus coming down and coming onto the ground with us, that a new birth will happen in us and that that new birthing leads to belief and that belief will lead to love, lead to connection, lead to healing. Let us pray. Thanks for joining us for this episode. The work we do is made possible by your partnership and generosity. If you enjoyed the content and would like to support our work, please visit ProvidenciaWPB.org and click on the Give link. The music you hear in the beginning and end of our show was written, produced, and recorded by our music collective, Paradise Hymns. Find their original songs wherever you stream music. Thanks again, and have a blessed day.